We're in part three of our series called Miracles. Here's what we're doing for this series. If you're just kind of new, catching uh, this part three as the first time you're hearing this, we're taking the Gospel of John and we're taking the miracles that happen. There's seven miracles in the Gospel of John that are recorded that are assigned to us, a sign of Jesus's glory and a sign for us, like Jesus is speaking to us through these miracles, trying to reveal things to us. But there's seven of them and all of them are unique. We're studying them kind of verse by verse and Kind of discovery, if you've been here for any amount of time, you probably know we do a variety of teaching. So there's topical and book and character, and, and then we'll do verse by verse as well, where we will sit in a section of uh, scripture and just kind of soak in that and get as much as we can out of that, which is, I love this, this these series that do that. And all of them have uh, meaning and intentionality, but this series is more of study soaking in the Word of God. So this is a good series, by the way, to bring your Bible Everyone, anyone got a Bible anymore? You got your Bible? Okay, hopefully you got your Bible. Bring your Bible, bring your pens, bring your highlighters. But we're in part three of this series, man. And throughout this series already in in the third week here, the first two uh, messages, uh, you probably have noticed that Jesus has an interesting way of interacting with people. Sometimes what he says to people can come off, I don't know, rude at times, or or just like maybe off-putting, or like, like he responds very uniquely, at least to say interestingly, very interesting. And you're going to see that throughout these miracles. So the, the first miracle, like to marry his mom, they, they ran out of wine at a wedding. And Jesus is like, what does this got to do with me? You know, and it's like, wow, Jesus. And then last week, there was the, the ruler's son that, that was sick and ill. And like, this guy's asking Jesus for a miracle. And Jesus responds kind of immediately. He's like, unless you people see a sign. None of you are going to believe. And, and so here's the thing I want you to see about, about Jesus and to know about him and to understand these miracles is that God never speaks to the surface of your situations. He'll never speak to the surface level. In fact, that's why God never gives you advice. People give you advice. God don't give advice, okay? People give you advice and it's always based on the facts that they have in the moment, but God does not exist in this moment. He is the beginning in the end. So he don't give you advice. He's, he's like God, he'll speak when he speaks to you. A real word from God speaks to the, surf, to, the, to the root of the problem, not to the surface of the problem. So while you're praying, a lot of us, we're praying for God symptomatically. We're praying for certain symptoms in our life and God has already prescribed a remedy and a cure for the sickness that's causing it. Come on, that's what makes him the great physician. Amen, somebody? There you go. Y'all got your gas money already. Let's do this. Here we go. So today we're going to study the third miracle of Jesus in the gospel of John. Here's, let me just give you the, the, the back end of this is that there's this, the guy that actually gets the miracle is, a, he's been suffering in a paralytic condition for many years. We're going to study it for many years. Here's how I want you. Let me ask you like to receive the word of God. Like, I want you, if while you listen, listen to this message today through the lens of the long-standing problem that you've been dealing with. I want you to listen today to this message and to the word of God through the ongoing, long-standing issue, challenge, or problem. Not the short-term ones, okay? Not the ones that are just a few weeks. They're, they're like, they're a big deal in the moment, but they're not really, then they're, then they're gone. I'm talking about the long-standing issues, and we all have long-standing different issues that all of us are dealing with. For some of you, it might be an ongoing medical issue. 
Maybe you've got this ongoing, like a long-term headache situation or migraine situation, ongoing long-term medical problem of some kind. Maybe, maybe for others of you, it's depression. It's been an ongoing long-term battle with depression. Or, or maybe for some of you, it's, it's anxiety. Others of you, maybe you've got this long-standing issue with overspending or overeating or overcommitting yourself. Some of you, maybe it's an addiction that, that just won't go away. You're smoking something that you want to stop smoking and you can't stop smoking, okay? I don't know if it's cigarettes, pot, crayons. I don't care. Like, I don't know what you're dealing with, okay? But you're trying to, like, deal with an addiction of something and you can't really get over it. For the others of you, it might be an ongoing challenge in a relationship, someone you love. Maybe it's a dad you can't connect with or get along with or a parent or a marriage that isn't working well, or some sort of a variety of a relationship that just isn't, can't seem to get things where they're actually working. I want you to listen today to the word of God, to this message through the lens of whatever ongoing challenge that you've been having. And we're going to believe that in a moment in the presence of God, that he can change everything. Amen, somebody? All right, John chapter five, we're going to start verse one, you guys. You guys should have some notes. If not, your Bibles, go ahead and crack it open. We'll, we'll, we'll have it up here on the screen to you. John chapter five, starting at verse one. It says, sometime later, this is actually picking up right after we left off with the healing of the official son, just saying, hey, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for uh, one of the Jewish festivals. Verse two, now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And, and so the architecture of this was, was, was beautiful, but the, the number five in scripture is always significant and it means grace. It's the number of grace. And the way that this was designed, this pool of Bethesda was designed to represent the grace and the mercy of God, something for you to just file away, okay? It says here, a great number, go ahead, uh, uh, a great number of disabled used to lie. So this guy that's going to get healed, he's lying. I want you to just picture it. This dude is there with a great number of people and all of them got issues, right? All of them, they're, they're disabled. They, they're, they're blind. They're lame. They're, they're paralyzed. Here's what happens though. I was thinking about this. What happens when you have an area of your life that's not working is what this guy did. Instead of getting around people that challenge you, you surround yourself with people who can comfort you. Okay, and so, so we put ourselves, because now I'm around her and her eyes don't work and him and his feet don't work and it just makes me feel better about the area of my life that's not working. So I'm not around people who are challenging me. I'm around people that are comforting me in the situation that I'm in. And you might say though, what are they doing here though? Are they, are they by this pool getting a suntan? No, that's not what they're doing. They're not, they're actually, their tradition now, some of your translations, if you have a King James translation, it actually inserted the tradition in this portion. But the tradition would tell us that there would be an angel during this time, they believed this, there would be an angel that would come and stir the waters, the pool of Bethesda, and it would bubble and begin to bubble. And the tradition says that the first person that touches the water, when it starts bubbling, the angel touches it, then that person would be healed, all right? The first person, only the first person. Great number, picture this, okay? You can imagine the commotion, right? Because it might take days or weeks for this thing to start bubbling and the angel to stir the water. And now everybody is clamoring to get the touch, to get their, their healing. It's like a free for all. Everybody wash, rushing to this, to this water. Verse five says this, in the middle of this great multitude, one who was there, Jesus, look, God is big enough to see the one. Jesus is big enough and cares enough to see 
among the great multitude. Here's, here's what I wanted you to know. Listen, um, you are the one. You might think that you are, you are lost in the sea of problems and issues and humanity and everything going on. We got wars and diseases and all this stuff. And God's too busy to deal with your issue and your problem and your challenge. I want you, listen, God sees you. You are the one. He takes the one. He sees the one out of a great multitude. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, the Bible says. Imagine that. 38 years sitting in that same condition. Next verse. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, and here goes Jesus again. Do you want to get well? It seems like a, like a, a rude question, an insulting question to ask a paralytic, right? It's like asking a hungry person, would you like all-you-can-eat buffet? You know, it's, it's like asking a, a poor person, you know, would you, would you like $100? It seems like an insulting question here. It's, it's obvious almost. It's like my wife asking me, do you want to make out? The answer is very obvious to the situation. What do you mean do I want to get well? Of course I want to make out, girl. Of course I want to, I want to get well. And so, but here's the, you may want to circle that word well, well, because that in, in the Greek is this, it's hogies. And some of your translations probably translate it better. And it, the word actually means whole. And I want you to understand that because Jesus just doesn't want to make you better. He wants to make you whole. And so we might interpret this. Do you want to get well? Like, you'll make it well. Like, it's going to be well. No, no, no. God is, he doesn't want to make it better. He wants to make you whole. What Jesus is doing in this moment is trying to reveal to him that deeply rooted issue. He's not speaking to the surface, right? He's speaking to, he's trying to reveal something deeply rooted in this man. Do you want to be made well? And look at this guy goes off. Verse seven. He's like, oh, finally, someone's going to help me out because I got no one to help me in the pool. And that's where my healing is. And I'm trying to get in and someone else does it. Here's what I need. Thank you. Somebody finally focusing on me in this crowd. And Jesus has got to be thinking in this moment, I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about that talking to you. Do you want to be made whole? You see, Jesus is concerned with more than just our infirmities and our afflictions. In fact, God is more concerned with what's happening inside of you than what is happening on the outside of you. Now, verse 8 comes. Here comes empowerment. Look what Jesus does. Jesus said to him in that condition, get up and pick up your mat and walk. And verse 9 says, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. All right, today I want to talk to you about what happens in our life when problems persist. Some things happen. They happen to this guy, and I want to point out some things. Like when we have these ongoing, long-standing, persistent problems, we're going to come up against some of the same similar challenges that, that I'd like us to face today. Because when problems persist, write these down. Number one, when problems persist, the more discouraged you become. You just become, like disappointment deteriorates determination. 38 years. 38 years of disappointment and trying and hoping and believing. And some of you have had an ongoing problem and it won't go away. And you prayed for it and you prayed for it and you believed for it and nothing happened and you've tried what you might think would help and nothing worked. And you just become now today discouraged. 
discouraged. You've tried to work on your marriage and you prayed about it and you were nice to them. And, and, and you, maybe you went to church together and the marriage is still bad. And years later, you're like, I don't think anything's going to work. I, mean, I don't think this is going to, like, is this the way it's going to be? Maybe you prayed about a physical problem. You've been to doctors and then another doctor and, a, and another doctor. And you prayed some more and nothing got better. So today you're just discouraged. And you're at the point where you're like, maybe this is just what God wants for me. Maybe this is just God's will for my life, the longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you're going to become. And not only that, write this down. The longer the problem persists, the more excuses you're going to make about it. Come on, you start making excuses because, let's be honest, ultimately, it's going to make you feel better if you shift the blame to someone else or something else. And that's what this guy does. Verse 7, it says, he's like, hey, no one is helping me out. I mean, I know where it's at and I know what I need to do, but no one's helping me out. And someone else is always getting in the way. I don't know if you've ever feel like you're all alone in your problems. Anyone ever feel like you're all alone in your problems? Or if you've ever been let down by somebody else, maybe you've been hurt deeply, maybe even experienced some brokenness because of people and you feel a little broken and hurt. Listen to me, please hear the word of God. You can walk again. You can walk again again but our hope lost in others can cause us not even to try getting up anymore to not even consider getting well because you may want to write this down hopelessness leads to inaction where because we've lost hope we've just stopped trying and this guy gets to this place where we often get and he's like no one will help me out and i can't do anything about it and so we're like my marriage man it's never going to get any better or like, I've seen, man, I've seen the doctors and they don't have an issue and, and I've tried and I've tried to get a good job, pastor. I just don't have the degree and I don't have the experience and I went to counseling once and I, we even tried to do the church thing. We went two weeks straight. Nothing worked, pastor. It just is, tried everything. It ain't getting any better. The longer the problems persist, the more discouraged you become and the more excuses we end up making for it. And then here's the third thing and it's dangerous. The longer the problem persists, the more you learn to compensate for that thing. And if I could just be very direct today, some of you are here today and you become excellent at compensating for your problem. Some of you are here today and you are a functioning alcoholic, right? Like, like sure, it's a challenge for your marriage. Sure, it's hurting your marriage and it's hurting. It's a challenge for your kids. But I mean, professionally, you've learned to function you know, with your addiction. And even if, they, like, nobody knows. And even if they do know, they don't really care about it because you figured out how to manage your life around it. You're highly functioning, even though you have a significant addiction in your life. Some of you, maybe it's your, your marriage that you've just learned to exist in a dead marriage. You don't like it, but you accept it. You don't like the way it is. It's just, you're like, but it is the way it is. You've tried everything. You don't know what to do. And yet there's, there's no common vision. There's no intimacy that you guys aren't sowing into each other, investing into each other or to your children anymore. It's just like a business relationship. It's a, it's a partnership. And we're just going to stay in it for the kids' sake, you say. We're just going to, you know, keep out. Well, this is all we have. We don't really like it, but we know how to manage it. We know how to compensate for this. We're just going to stay in this. Some of you, you learn how to compensate for pornography addiction you tell yourself it's not a big deal and it doesn't matter and 
you've learned to erase the traps and delete the histories, and you've been very careful to stay away from getting caught, and you think it's not a big deal, and you're compensating for the problem, that long-standing problem. Some of you, maybe you learned to compensate for overspending. Like everybody else looks at you and they think, man, they're, they're, they got it going on. Look at that life. And they have no idea that you're still living paycheck to paycheck. They have no idea. Like you're stressed out about how you're going to even get by next month. And you're like, you're maxing out this card to this card to this card. You're borrowing from Peter to PayPal. And nobody else knows you just are really good at compensating for your addiction of stuff and things. Am I too much in your business today? I love you. I love you. Here's the problem. Listen to me. You cannot change until you recognize the problem. You can't. In fact, you can't change what you're willing to tolerate. All that stuff you're compensating for and you're tolerating, you're like, you're not able to change. This is why Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? You know why he would ask that? I believe Jesus asked him this question, not to be rude, not to be like, like, abrupt to him, not to overlook his situation. I think Jesus knew you can't just help somebody who needs help. You can only help somebody who wants help. Do you want to be made well? He asked a very specific question. Do you want to be made well? You know what the greatest hindrance to your faith is? Do you like walking by faith and living by faith? You know what the greatest hindrance to your faith is some people would think it's like the opposite maybe is doubt oh doubt man when i get all doubtful and i'm doubting god doubting his word doubting his promises that's the greatest hindrance of my faith other people would say fear oh you let fear come in the way and it's going to prevent your faith or worry to come in the way and that's preventing your faith i would submit to you that the greatest hindrance of your faith are not those things those are hindrances but i think the greatest hindrance to your faith is the familiar it's the things that you become so comfortable with making excuses about compensating for in your life you see you don't understand jesus i've been in the same situation for 38 years i've been unable to walk you don't understand i've tried everything possible and here's my resume of excuses of why i'm not able to do it and i don't like it but i learned to manage my life around it and you accept what is instead of believing god for what could be you see you don't understand I'm just an average student. I'm just not, I'm just not smart. You know, I'm just, I'm just not smart. I know, I've known it since the second grade. I'm just not a smart person. It's just the way it is. I'm just not a smart person. You have no idea our family, the way we've financially struggled. We've always financially struggled, man. My parents did. I, well, my kids are probably going to financially struggle. That's just the way it is. We, it's just, you don't understand, Jason. I, I, we're all overweight. My family's overweight. It's like a genetic thing, which it's, all of us are always just going to be overweight in this family. You don't understand. I've tried this addiction. I've tried to take care of this addiction. Everything I do, it always fails. This is just the way it is. Here's the bottom line. Healing will not begin until your desire is bigger than your disability. Until your want to is bigger than what you're sitting in, you will not experience God's healing in your life. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to? Because honestly, some of you have been compensating and making excuses. And yes, you're discouraged, but you're simply used to sitting in the same place that you've been sitting in. And I believe the Spirit of God would say to you today, do you want to be made well? Do you really want to get out of debt? Do you really want to save your marriage? Do you really want to be emotionally healthy? Because you can't help somebody because they just need help. You can only help somebody who wants help. And you cannot change what you're willing to tolerate 
And until your desire becomes bigger than your disability, you will not find healing. So Jesus asks a question. Do you want to be well? And then after he makes all these excuses, verse 9, verse 8 and 9, Jesus says to him, well, get up then and pick up your mat and walk. And at once this guy's cured and he picks up his mat and he walks. I want you to notice this. This is amazing. Jesus heals this guy supernaturally. And I want you to notice three things about this. This is going to speak to somebody. Number one, this guy, this sick guy, he didn't even ask to be healed. He didn't ask Jesus to, to heal him. Jesus did for him what he didn't even ask him to do. Oh, I love this about God. Okay, as you get to know Jesus, as you press into Jesus, as you get close to Jesus, listen to me, he will do things for you you didn't even ask him to do. Like he'll bring healing into areas of your life that you didn't even know that were broken. Come on, somebody. He'll change your thought process in ways that you didn't know were dysfunctional. He'll bring forgiveness and healing to your heart in areas that you didn't even know that were sick. As the closer you get to Jesus, he'll start doing things for you you didn't even know need to be done. This guy, didn't even, he didn't even ask for it. Here's the second thing I want to point out to you. Check this out. This dude didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. Jesus didn't heal this man because this man was good. Listen to me. Okay, the miracles, the miracles, the miracles. They're a sign, right? They're a sign. What is Jesus pointing to in this? Here's what Jesus is pointing to in this amazing miracle. Jesus did not heal this guy because this guy was good. Jesus healed him because Jesus is good. This is God's grace. This miracle is a representation of the grace of Jesus who is incarnate standing before this man who's waiting in a colonnade that is a picture of God's grace looking to a colonnade when he has Christ standing before him, grace incarnate. He healed him because he was good. He healed him because of his glory. He didn't heal him because he deserved it or earned it. He actually did not do anything to deserve this. And Jesus healed him anyway. In fact, he complained, pointed the finger at other people. Jesus healed him anyway. Here's the third thing you're going to notice, <laughs> and that is that healing, the healing didn't happen the way this guy, this guy thought it would happen. It didn't come the way he thought. If I can just get in the water, he said, I'll be healed. The healing did not come through the water and some of you have been searching for healing in your life in a very particular way you're searching for the water and i came to tell you it may not come from the water but it may come from the living water that is jesus who's going to do something in a way that you didn't expect and i don't know who i'm talking to today i don't know who i'm talking to but some of you some of you are in financial trouble and, and you 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 keep buying lottery tickets thus saith the pastor okay the miracle ain't going to come the way you thought that it was going to come. It ain't going to come through the lottery tickets. You expect it one way, but God is going to bring the healing. God is going to bring the blessing. God is going to bring the transformation in some way you never, ever expected because that's the power of God. That is the grace of God. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, Jesus essentially is saying, I don't want to hear your excuses, bro. I want to see your faith. I don't want to hear your excuses. I want to see your faith. Don't tell me what you can't do. Don't, 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 don't tell me what you're not able to do. Don't tell me what other people won't do for you. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. He said, I, he said, I want you to have courage 
to do something by faith, to step away from the familiar because the familiar things are what is preventing you from walking. It's the hindrance to your faith. You're going to have to stand up in faith. You're going to have to work out those leg muscles that for 38 years have become weak. Your bones are aching, and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get up out of that situation. And, 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 and I don't know who I'm talking to, somebody in this place. You're going you're to take a step of faith today. Some of you are going to take a step of faith today and, and overcome a problem that you gave up on years ago. And, and, and I don't know how, maybe you're going to like crumple up the cigarettes and throw them away right away. I don't know. Maybe you're going to open up to someone at small group for the very first time. You say, this is really what's going on. Maybe you're going to go get counseling. Maybe, maybe you're going to go check yourself into rehab, but it's going to take a big faith step. Let me tell you, listen, it's not going to be a measly small thing. If it was a small fix, you would have done it by now. It's going to take a big step of faith for you to leap out and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to get up. And God's going to do a miraculous, a, a miracle in your life. For others of you, like for some of you, it's going to happen instantaneously. For others of you, it's going to start the process of healing. It's going to start that, 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 begin the process, the journey towards healing. That you thought it was going to come one way. It was going to come through the water, but you had no idea you're going to walk into church and the presence of God would be there. And he'd show you the things that you were making excuses about and compensating for and, and, and forgetting about. And God says, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this right here. I'm going to speak to the, to the deeply rooted issue, not the surface, not what you're complaining about, not what you've been focusing on, not what you've been excused. No, no, no. This is what I'm, do you want to be made well, and people are going to look at you in Jesus' name. They're going to look at you later today. They're going to look at you throughout this week. They're going to say, what in the world happened to you? What in the world? Why are you so happy? Why, what's different about you? And you're going to tell them, I heard from Jesus. Jesus touched me. I didn't know. I, just, I, I can't explain it. I heard from God. Okay, so, so let me give you, like, in order for you to be made well, if you want to be made well, there's some things I think you need to believe. There's some belief things that need to shift that, that in that want to, deep down, deep down, not surface stuff, let's get deep down, that need to shift in your life if you want to be whole, all right? Let me give you a few of them, four of them, all right? Number one, you gotta believe this. I am not my wounds, all right? I'm not my wounds. I'm not, I'm not uh, my mistakes. I'm not my sin. I'm not my past. I may be sitting here, but this is not who I am. I may have been dealing with it for 38 years, two years. It may be the story of my marriage, but it's not the story of my future. I am not my wounds. I'm not my sins. I'm not my mistakes. I'm not defined by them. I'm defined by the word of God. You got to believe this. You have to shift something deeper inside of you if you really want to be whole and made well. Here's what Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Okay, so, so that's number one. You gotta believe this. I'm just, I'm not my wounds. I'm not this. That's not me. That's not me. That's not what God has for me. That's not my identity. I'm not staying here no more. This is not me. I'm not my wounds. Number two, huh. they are not my problem. I don't know who your they are, but a lot of times we like to make excuses and point the finger like this invalid did, like this paralytic did. Hey, if they would just, I don't know who your they are where you're going like, if they would just get out of the way. If I didn't, if they would, and if they didn't, if they did, whoever your they are, listen to me, they are not your problem. God ain't talking about them, he's talking to you. Okay, these surface things that you like to exist in, you like, here's what happens like this invalid, we like to play the victim card, right? Oh, I got no one to help me. Anytime you play the victim card, there's always a villain story. 
And so you create villains out of people around you, and it's them. It's their fault. It's their fault. I'm telling you right now, they are not your enemy. They are not the problem. Listen to me. They're just a distraction from you getting your healing. They are your distraction from you actually dealing and taking ownership of the root issue. Come on. Is revelation happening in this place today? Okay. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says like this, our fight isn't against those people. It's not against them. They are not your problem. They are not the reason why you're not whole, you're not healed, you're not healthy, you're not successful, you're not happy. They're not the problem. Your fight isn't against them. We are fighting against spiritual powers of evil in heavenly places. It's beneath the surface. I'm not my wounds. They're not my problem. Number three, here's the third truth. My life has purpose in every season. I see this in this guy's story, and I see this in a lot of people's story, that sometimes if we're in our problem issues and circumstances for so long, we begin to get discouraged, lose hope. Our life tends to feel like it doesn't have purpose, and we may buy into that lie of the enemy that our life doesn't have purpose in this season, like I'm waiting for something else to come or something else to happen for purpose and God's will and and like but right now it's just I'm in a holding pattern there's no purpose here there's only purpose so there's no purpose while I'm single my real life will begin when I'm married there's no purpose while I'm getting my education my purpose is going to come when I finally get that job not not now not I'm, I'm when I get to this level when I get to this right now I'm just my life as I'm telling you you gotta you gotta shift your thinking if you want to be whole and walk in, in wholeness your life has purpose in every season because what if you've been waiting for God to change something in your circumstances but he's waiting to shift something in you what if the, 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 the thing that produces the pain in your life is the very thing that God chooses to release his power in your life and you're wanting God to change something and he's like no I'm using that to actually produce my power in you I'm using that there's purpose in that pain there's purpose in even in your pain, even in the trial, even in your traumas. God didn't make it happen. He didn't create it, but he's going to bring purpose to it and bring power into your life because of it. Come on, will you receive that in Jesus' name? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this, that God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Hey, so here's, let me say this. If it ain't beautiful now, give it time. All right? Some of you are like, oh, no, it's just, it ain't, it ain't right. No, 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 no. Don't give up. There's purpose in this. Give it time. God will make it beautiful. There is purpose in every season. Number four, write this down. I got to believe something here if I want to be whole, right? I got to believe. I must believe and then walk out my wholeness. So here's this guy, 38 years, same problems, issues, behaviors. And for this man to rise up on his own accord and believe like he had to believe, he had to really believe for him to get up because Jesus didn't help him up. Jesus wasn't like, take my hand and I will raise you up. No, 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 there was no touch. There was nothing. There was just a command. This guy had to of his own volition, 38 years, you think of the muscle atrophy, think of the bone condition. He had to like believe and then like get up. Pick up his mat and, and walk. Here's why this is important. Because some of you, you believe, but you ain't getting up. You believe, but you ain't getting up, picking up your mat and walking. You got to believe, but your belief has to see you rise. You're waiting for the handout. 
And Jesus is telling you, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat. Walk. Let me, let me explain this to you. It's very important for you to walk in wholeness and for you even to get a miracle today. Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writing Philippians. Let me just kind of, I'm going I'm to bring it back around. Let me show you something. Here's what he says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Which, like, doesn't almost make sense on the surface, right? Because it's like, wait a second. I didn't save me. I can't keep myself safe. I didn't heal me, and I can't keep myself healed. What are you saying? Jesus? Like, like I'm so, I need the healing, and I need your grace incarnate to actually, because I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. It's got to be miraculous. But somehow there's also this hard work that I got to stretch out my own legs. I got to work out my own muscles and stand up on my own bones and pick up my own mat and walk from, like, I got to work at something. That's something I didn't have to work for. Wait a second. What's Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obey, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then he explains it. For it's actually God. For God is working in you, giving you the what? You will never change until your desire grows bigger than your disability. It is God who gives you the desire. He gives you the desire and not only that, and the muscle and the energy and the force and the power to stand up out of that long-standing issue and condition and walk the desire and the power to do what pleases him this is god's so here's what jesus grace his grace is 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 enabling it enables us. here's here's what i want you to see you may want to write an extra note here grace isn't a pass it's a power Oh, thank God. Some of you are like, oh, thank God for his grace. Yeah, his grace does cover, but his grace just doesn't cover his grace and powers. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. A survey was done in, in Christians across the, the U.S. And they, they wanted to, they asked them to give three or more definitions of God's grace. Like how do, how do Christians understand what God's grace is? And, and so the four top answers were this, forgiveness, salvation, a free gift, and the love of God. Forgiveness, salvation, a free gift, and the love of God, which, which are typically, they're okay, but those are the top four answers. Only 1.9% of the people polled said that grace is God's empowerment. This is a problem. This is a big problem in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. My grace is sufficient for you, for, here's what, my, here's what my grace is. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace, God says, is my power that enables you to do what you cannot do on your own human strength. So here's why this is important. 98% of Christians are trying to live a godly life, a holy life on their own ability. You know what happens when you try to live for God on your own strength, on your own ability, you try to live holy and please God on your own ability, you fail miserably. That's why we have so many repeating patterns and ups and downs, and we're stuck in situations with disappointment and hopelessness because you don't understand the grace of God is the power of God that gives you the desire and the power to do 
what God has called you. What you cannot do yourself. Jesus, grace incarnate, comes to this man, comes to you today. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You've been compensating. You've been making excuses in any way, regardless. It's not because of your effort or goodness. He's coming to you today and he says, you are healed because I'm good. Do you want it though? Do you want it though? Because you got to want, you got to, and say, oh, well, how do you want it? His grace gives you the desire and the power. Now, before I close, because this is, this is what Jesus is pointing to in this, is this miracle is pointing to, this is grace. Grace is here now. It's grace incarnate to someone who didn't ask for it, didn't deserve it, didn't earn it. This is a picture of Jesus full of grace. But if you know anything about the Bible, Jesus didn't come just full of grace. What he also come full of? Full of truth full of grace and truth. So I didn't want to do this story injustice and just teach you what Jesus was trying to point you to, which is his grace, which some of you need for the miracle, you need for the power, you need to change your mind and change your desires. You need the power of God to overcome what you couldn't overcome by yourself. You need it, you need it, you need it. But you also need his truth. So let me finish the story. John chapter five, verse nine. Right after his healing, right after this guy gets healed. The day on which this took place though was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders, the religious folks, said to the man who had been healed, hey, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. What? This, this guy has been paralyzed for 38 years. And they are arguing about a rule. Here's, here's listen to me. Some of you are so focused on rules that you're missing the grace. Some of you can get so focused on the rules that you're missing the miracle. That you're so focused on doing it right and doing it and showing up and I got to have it all in order. And I'm not saying like, don't try to be good or anything, but I'm saying that your life is so focused on rules that you're missing the miracle because the miracle don't come from your effort. It comes from God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. So the religious people are like, what are you doing? This guy's healed and he's like, wait, but it's the Sabbath. It's Sabbath. You're not supposed to be working on the, on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be carrying your mat on the Sabbath. So, so mess, missing, missing the miracle right in front of them. So this guy is really quick. Next verse. This guy's really quick to throw Jesus under the bus. Check this out. He's like, oh, so he replied, the man, he, he, he made me, he said to me, he's the one who told me to do it. It wasn't me. I didn't break the Sabbath. It was his fault. It's Jesus' fault. Yeah. So, so this guy, um, he's like, don't hold me to it. It ain't my fault. Verse, here, continue. Okay. Next verse. Okay, so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? So who's this guy? And the guy goes, I don't know. I was so focused on my symptoms being relieved. I don't even know who did it. I just picked up my mat and I didn't, so this guy didn't thank him, he didn't turn around to him, he didn't express any gratitude to him. He just was so focused on his own healing, on his own life, on his own needs. I don't know who it was. And Jesus slipped away into the crowd that was there. So he didn't know who Jesus was, but Jesus came and found him later. Look what it says, next verse later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, very important, look, see you are well, same word, whole. See, you are whole again. So stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. 
So this isn't every situation. God saw something. Jesus saw something at the, the, the root of the issue that was, that's like more important than his paralyzed condition here. Let me note though that Jesus never says stop sinning if he didn't say first, see you are whole. He'll never tell you, hey, stop sinning and then I'll make you whole. No, 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 no. But this is, this is the completion of the story that I needed you to see because some of you need, every one of us need God's grace. We need his power, to, the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. For a lot of you today, that's what you need to get over what you've been compensating and making excuses for and living with, and you've been trying to do it on your own, and you need the grace of God. Like, you need that. You need God's grace, which Jesus is pointing us to. But others of you, I just felt like I needed to share the rest of the story. It's not the grace that you, you, you need it, but what you actually need to hear today is his truth. What you need to hear today is see, God's made you whole. So stop sinning or something worse is gonna happen to you. What you need is God's truth because there are some of you like this paralyzed man who does not show that he actually was made whole. He got a miracle. He got his healing, but he didn't walk out wholeness. Some of you, God has blessed you so much. You've, you've seen God move. You've seen him work. You've heard his voice. You've, you've seen different blessings. Yet like this guy, Jesus does not have your loyalty. You're quick to point the finger back at him when it's not going good. And, and to you, Jesus would say, look what I've done in your life. Stop sinning or something worse. Your eternal life is at stake here if you keep going this direction. This is, this is what Jesus is pointing to in this miracle, in this sign. He is grace incarnate, the power of God to change your desire and give you the power you need to live for him. But he's also the truth that you need be who God has called you to be. Get up and walk out of the mess that you've gotten comfortable in.